Hello everyone and welcome to One Control Report Podcast, episode 243. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today talking about video games. I have more than just the first soldier to talk about this week, although that was something that was very intentional because uh, if you don't know, I'm recording this very, very late at the end of the weekend. So I tried to do things this week that would kind of, a weekend, that would kind of make up for the fact that recently I've just been busy with rewiring things in my house, converting to the new PC, setting up a secondary stream setup. I'll talk about a lot of these things, I'm sure, during the the podcast itself. Um, But yeah, so I am, for all intents and purposes, done with all of that. There's a couple of different little, like, hanging bits and pieces here and there I need to deal with. Um, I also ran into problems where even though I have everything largely set up in the way I need to, to record old like 480p video games in 4K, or at least 4K, then downscale it to 1920 by 1080 um, the problem I'm running into is actually recording at 4K, and it's not anything to do with my PC itself. It's actually to do with the monitor. So apparently OBS does not let you actually record in 4K or record a 4K signal um, without having a monitor that can display that 4K signal while you're recording, essentially. Which um, I don't really understand the technical you know, aspects behind that. Maybe that makes sense from a, like, obviously you can't do this kind of thing. Um, but I did go ahead and try to record in 4K using the, uh, Restream, uh, Avermedia, or sorry, not, not Restream, Recentral, Avermedia's, uh, 4K capture, and unfortunately, that seems to have its own problems. Uh, I tried to band-aid it a little bit through a variety of processes. Right now, I don't plan to upload a lot of 4K content, um, just due to a variety of other factors, Um, but I hit a lot of limitations that prevented me from, from putting something together. Like, uh, specifically I was trying to record the Dirge of Server as multiplayer mode cutscenes in 4K and, and I just ran into a lot of problems. So considering it's been like two weeks since I started this kind of PC transition process and I've also at my job been moving. So a lot of the stuff I've been doing at home is very similar to the stuff I've been doing at my job. I'm kind of exhausted um, in regards to that type of stuff. So I think at this point, I'm just going to put a lot of it to the side. Again, there's a little, few little ends and odds here that I'll probably address here in the near future. Uh, but for now I'm kind of at normal level of operation. Um, so I'll probably just kind of settle with that. Um, so yeah, uh, in terms of the things that I got out of kind of reorganizing that stuff, I basically was able to rewire my console setup. So it's more easy for me to go between different consoles. Um, and I also went ahead and set up a second stream station. And if you didn't see this weekend, I did a, uh, like a special stream, essentially special random stream. I don't know why I call it special, a stream where I tried it out at my secondary station that I set up pretty straightforward right now, pretty bare bones, basically just a desk in a corner essentially. And I played some Picross and, uh, uh, psychic force puzzle Tyson, um, and just kind of chilled for like an hour and 40 minutes just to check it out or play those on the, on the side. The big reason I chose those games is A, it was pretty, you know, casual kind of game to sit down and play. And then also my PlayStation is not, my original PlayStation is not hooked up to the nightmare I have over here. So it was easy for me to take it into the other room. So um, the thing that I will need to, that the that, that station is really for is more for... Um, videos where I might need to show some things, you know, I, I, I did a poll a while ago about talking about showing off maybe some of my game collection or whatever, the games I own. And, um, and so I would like to kind of have a place that I can talk about that, um, that is not just in front of a green screen kind of thing. 
Um, and also I wanted to revisit the idea of doing more like hands-on streams of the Labo stuff, um, potentially other crafts, Kaminazo, things like that. Those are things that I've always wanted to get back to, but just the setup I had was not ideal. And now with the components I have left over, you know, my old PC, um, I have that camera that I'm using for panels now that I can connect to that PC and kind of have it on a stand and like able to record or stream from a a position that's not just like, you know, a webcam mounted on a monitor, things like that. Um, the other thing I have also worked into there was my old blue, um, blue snowball microphone, which if you don't remember, I, I think I've, the podcast probably started on this blue snowball microphone at the very least. Um, I had issues that, that, uh, that microphone having static noise that would happen randomly. And it was a real pain, especially when I was recording scripts and things like that. So I switched over to the uh, blue Yeti microphone instead. However, um, I, I kind of revisited the idea of looking at that microphone and trying to see if I could figure out what the problem was. And while I, I have not confirmed it yet, and I did see on the PCross and, and Puzzle Tyson stream that static issue is still coming, uh, there was a firmware update for um, the Blue Snowball. And as far as I was aware, the, the static issue actually came from something to do with how they set up like Windows 10 with that snowball, like the drivers or something. So maybe that has something to do with it. I might try another test thing with that blue snowball. And honestly, for something like a stream or something like Kaminazo, things like that, where I'm not necessarily like, you know, trying to have the best amazing quality whatsoever kind of thing with that, um, that might be acceptable, you know, depending on how often it happens. I probably need to sit down and listen to it, but I won't listen to it again until I actually try again with the firmware update to see how often that issue happens. I don't really want to buy another microphone for that particular room. And so I don't really expect it to be something I'm doing super often. So I'll probably just live with that blue, blue snowball microphone there. So anyways, all that good fun stuff. Um, I did play some, some extra video games this week. I went out of my way to play a game, um, because I kind of feel like I just need to get into a game. Um, however, I was a little antsy on starting something incredibly deep, so instead, oh, that was a weird way to say deep, deep. <laughs> um, uh, I started uh, a something very light, very, very like, like what is it? Like a tea time kind of game. Um, and that is Pokemon Channel. Yeah, I'm playing the console Pokemon game everybody else is playing right now. Definitely not Pokemon Arceus. Um, but yeah, I started playing the Pokemon channel. If you didn't know, I streamed that a little bit before. Um, but I wanted to really sit down and kind of give it the time it needs and with me directly rather than on a stream. Because when I'm streaming something, there's a lot of other things that go into like how I, what I'm doing at that time. So it can be hard to like appreciate a game for what it is while I'm streaming. Um, if you don't know what Pokemon channel is, this is a GameCube game, um, which is a real weird thing where essentially it's just you hanging out with Pikachu on like a little square like polo mat and watching like a big old CRT TV together. And uh, it's got a variety of TV channels, including an anime channel where they show Pokemon anime. They've got a quiz channel where most of the time you don't even answer the questions. It's only randomly they're like, hey, you're gonna answer this question by touching the screen. Your CRT is a touch screen, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, also like, you know, a shopping network. So when you answered questions correctly, you get money. So you can go ahead and spend that money on that. So it's a lot of really weird stuff. And there's kind of room, a room aspect similar to something like, hey, you Pikachu. And I will say up front, when I sat down and started playing it, I was like, ooh boy, this is something. Uh, just cause you're just kind of sitting there watching. You're like, I'm watching these Pokemon stretch. 
that is something I can do right now is watch these Pokemon stretch. And I watched those Pokemon stretch while I was building a shelf um, in real life, not in the game. Um, so I was building shelf in real life and watched those Pokemon stretch. I did a little bit of stretching with them. A little hard to follow Pokemon stretching because their limbs are not quite the same as ours. <laughs> uh, but I did, I did attempt to kind of follow what they were doing. Um, so, you know, you just sit down and watch those things and then you have like a room where you, when you buy stuff, it gets set up in the room and you can interact with Pikachu kind of in that room as he kind of walks around and does stuff. So very like, Hey, you Pikachu kind of feeling to it. And, um, you know, the, initially I was kind of like, I'm not digging this really, but when I started to get more into like thinking about it more from, uh, more from a virtual pet angle or something like that. Um, I think that, that, that made a lot more sense. And, and then I started to kind of appreciate it more in doing that, like, or, or maybe not necessarily virtual pet, but also maybe from the angle of like a roommate Ryoko, right? Where you're like, have this like long-term relationship with this character that, that kind of progresses at the same speed as real life. This game does do the like Animal Crossing, we're tracking the time thing. So like at the end of my PlayStation today, they're like, okay, no new TV stuff today. Tomorrow there'll be new things starting at 5 a.m. Also, you ordered some stuff. The package is going to deliver around like 8 in the morning, stuff like that. So, you know, it's a... Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to, to, to see it from that angle. So while I don't think Pokemon Channel is a good video game, um, I don't think it's interesting. And because it's like a full-priced retail game, I think it was $50 at least. I could be wrong. I believe that's the case. Um, it kind of felt like something that had a lot more polish than it should in a lot of ways, or a lot more budget, I guess, um, than what you would expect from like, you know, a little Tamagotchi on a, on a device or... Or even maybe like a mobile game where you have like gotcha stuff in it and things like that. So I have not really explored the like virtual pet scene or virtual relationship, you know, moving in real time scene that much outside of um, Love Plus more recently. And maybe Love Plus is something we revisit now that I actually can play Love Plus, Plus kind of properly. There's I had a lot of problems in the past in terms of capturing gameplay for Love Plus um and things like that but uh maybe we'll revisit that though I, I really have a hard time with games like love plus because it does take a long-term commitment and i tend to lose interest pretty quickly so um i had a lot of fun with it or i guess i did i just said that out loud i don't know if i would have thought that in my brain but apparently my mouth said that so take that as you will maybe i maybe i did a oopsie slipsies or or maybe that is my true feelings um, but I would say I generally enjoyed it at the very least from what little I've played so far of today. Um, and, and it is just kind of that right game for what I'm looking for right now in terms of just kind of like coming down from a lot of big long projects and kind of shifting into doing other stuff that I need to work on kind of thing. So fun stuff. Uh, one thing I do want to say about Pokemon Arceus, which came out, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but one thing I do want to say about that is I'm really glad that the reception was fairly positive on that game when it, that came out. That's the open world Pokemon game that was announced a while ago, and people really were hating on it because of the graphics. Even at launch, they were. And I, I will always say, you know, you have every right to complain about that and stuff, um, and and you should voice your concern. Don't Don't harass anybody, but, you know... You, you're welcome to talk about it on the internet and everything. Um, but it was one of those things that like at some point it was just the conversation was so focused on graphics that I was just like, this is kind of like, 
I don't know. It's it's kind of overbearing how how much was focused on graphics. As, even as somebody who does not care about the Pokemon franchise, I say as I sit here and play Pokemon Channel. I will say Pokemon Channel is literally the first video Pokemon video game I've bought. I believe since Pokemon Silver, and that was when I was like ten. So <laughs> you know, not exactly in tune with the Pokemon franchise. But um, you know, I, I do think it's a little overbearing because you know, as much as graphics do matter, I'm not going to say that they don't. Um, you know, graphics are, are a, a portion of a video game, right? And, and the fact that it seemed like it largely was, it came together overall with Arceus and made a, a good game and a game that's different from your typical Pokemon game, I think is, um, is, um, nice. I'm not, I'm glad it turned out that way. Um, especially with just how, how negative the conversation was around that game for super long. It is one of those things that when I look at people, you know, talking crap about like Diamond and Pearl and stuff, and like, I'm not saying that they're not, they're good games. I never played them, never will play them. Um, you know, I do sit there and look at the sales numbers and go like, these sold ridiculous amounts. So like, despite people complaining about it, like it, it just keeps going forward and keeps pushing on. So, um, I definitely understand people's feelings that Pokemon should look the part when it comes to being a AAA game, given how much money it brings in. Um, I don't really know what the problem is. I've heard a lot of different theories from people, um, whether that be just due to the staffing, the type of people on staff, the budget, the timeline they get to make games, things like that. You know, I, I don't really know where that issue is. Um, but it is one of those things that, you know, at the end of the day, it seems like most of the games come, turn out to be pretty good. Um, it's just that, you know, the Twitter storm, <laughs> uh, seems to, to love to tear it up a ton. So I haven't looked at Sword and Shield sales numbers to see how that like overall lifetime went, but I remember Diamond and Pearl, the, the, the remakes of those seem to sell particularly well. So anyways, Pokemon stuff aside, um, we did go ahead and finish up Parasite Eve on stream. Um, uh, I think generally I feel the same way I felt, uh, uh, when I talked to you guys last about it on the podcast, we did do a, 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 uh, community review. Um, I'm pretty happy with that community review. I feel like even though I maybe felt pretty differently from most other people on stream about the game, we got a pretty good, like, uh, review at the end there. Um, and, and kind of addressed most of not only my concerns, but also the, the kind of different perspectives other people have. That's what I, I'm trying really hard to do with those community reviews is really make sure that they're not just Ben reviews. Although I do, I will say I do have a lot of influence on them. Um, is that a good thing or not? I don't know. I do want to like, you know, make sure that is a, it is a, like, you know, a review that has, that is not conflicting itself in a lot of ways, you know? Um, and, and I think we, we, we talk a little bit about in that review, how game structure is maybe more of Parasite's Eve strengths rather than like the individual combat. Not to say that the combat's bad. It's just that the, I think what makes that game special is maybe a little bit different. Um, obviously each individual person is going to feel differently on that, but, um, I, I, I think we've hit a pretty good middle ground on that. I think our, our review score is like a 3.5. So that should be going up uh, at some time in the future. I still got to edit together the casual review for sort of Ateria and put that up. Although I will say, I think, I could be wrong. I think Parasite Eve is the highest rated casual review we've had. We've been floating around the 2.5 range and it, it's kind of worried me a little bit. I'm like, uh, did I do something wrong with this setup, right? Did, did I set this up in a way that we're going to just float at 2.5 nonstop? Um, but we did get up to 3.5 with Parasite Eve, and I feel like that was a, a review where there was definitely room for improvement. So I do think there's a opportunity for us to get above a 3.5 at some point. 
So, and I feel really good about that 3.5 score, I think, overall. It's a good game. A lot of interesting ideas that I think kind of rates it above just being average. And then uh, and then I think there's still definitely things that could have definitely elevated that game to a, to a 4.5. I think, really, if the combat was better, that would have kind of blown it out of the park for me in, in a lot of ways. But Or at least the combat was more interesting, maybe I should say. Not better, per se. So, so we wrap that up. Um, we'll be playing Nintendoji next week. That's just going to be a one-time stream. Um, we're just going to go ahead and, and I want to try out the guide I've made for Nintendoji and just kind of see how that works and how effective it is, where are things that I can improve with that. And I figured it would be good to kind of use it in a real-world situation. And then I can also, you know, play a little Nintendoji live. Um, I do plan to do the Nintendoji video still. Don't ask me where I'm at and progressing in that. Let's just say I've not looked at it in about three weeks now. <laughs> so, you know, not exactly coming along quickly, but I'll get there. I plan to get there. I'm going to get there. Trust me. I'm going to get there. Um, so, so yeah. And then after that, the the long-term plan is to play some Evergrace for a while. I think it's like a 12-hour game. Um, I talked a little bit about, or a little bit about, a little bit about it to Elena, who was on the Lost Kingdoms 2 podcast I did years ago. And she recommended we start with Darius, um, which is the main guy. You can basically switch between, between the two characters whenever you want. But it sounds like you should just kind of focus on one based off her recommendations. So we'll probably start with Darius and then we'll uh, we'll follow up with uh, Charlene, I think is her name. Follow up with Charlene after that um, and, and see how that goes. So. Hopefully not a ton of overlap in the in the stories and in and, and gameplay there. Um, hopefully I won't also be like done with it. I, I'm a little worried about that game because when I first popped it in, I was like, this combat. I don't know if I can get behind this combat. Uh, but, you know, I only played it for like five minutes. So, so there's plenty of room for me to learn and improve with that game. So... And then just some like general updates here on games. You know, I've talked a lot about the first soldier. Nothing really new there. It's all the same as last week. Just a garbage trash fire of uh, performance issues. Um, uh, season one should be wrapping up in about the, I think at the end of this uh, next month. So I think I'm going to try to uh, keep doing the dailies through season one and wrap that up. Uh, but I think after this season, I'm not going to really try to do that anymore. It just is a good reminder playing this game that mobile games always are asking for your time every day and those dailies waste a lot of time. Um, so I kind of am, am, am interested in seeing what, what like season pass progression is with first soldier and things like that and like kind of finalizing that and seeing what that, the end goal of that looks like. Um, but I think going forward, I'll probably just play only when I'm doing multiplayer sessions with people. Um, I hope the game's performance improves by then because right now playing competitively in that game is really, really hard because it's just a frame rate mess at times and it's very frustrating. Um, but we had some okay games this weekend. I played with a friend. We got first, third, and first again. The North American servers definitely are starting to feel a little more livelier and the people playing on them, I think, are, um, are, are getting better. I think that's important because um, the Japanese servers definitely are, are a bit a bit intense. Um, I think what people might, what might be driving people back to the North American servers though, is because of all the frame rate issues and things like that. I think that's also leading into like lag issues at the same time. Um, I was watching kind of like the frame, the, the ping when you have frame rate issues in that game. And it seems like your ping starts to spike. So which one is the cause of that? Does your ping cause the frame rate to spike? Does the frame rate cause the ping to spike? I don't know. 
but that might be why you see more people trying to play on the North American servers just to reduce the amount of latency. That being said, even with low latency on North American servers, performance is still garbage. So I don't think it affects it that much um, and, and, and things like that. So I got about 50 levels left on the season pass, so I don't think I'll get all the way there, but I'll give it a good shot and then uh, we'll see what happens. Um, we also went ahead and beat God Eater 3, so we got the ending for that game. Pretty good end cutscene, despite the rest of the game largely not really being that interesting to me. Pretty good end cutscene for God Eater 3. However, we probably have, I think, I think we're, I think the end of the game's mission 70, and I was able to kind of map out how many extra missions there were, and there's about another 30-ish or so. So that means we still got a while to go in God Eater. I'm ready for God to be done, but we also beat Strange Brigade as well. Not a huge fan of Strange Brigade, I think, um, but we have a little bit of DLC left, so I think next week we're planning on trying to get through all that DLC in one night. Uh, we'll see how hard it is to get through. And then we're going to play a game called Generation Zero next. Um, I played a little bit of it. It definitely um, is a bit outside of my wheelhouse of games to play. It's more like a survival shooter multiplayer thing. But it's like, I, I think there's like, a, it's like an open world and it has like progression. It's not like, you know, something that has like competitive multiplayer in it. Can't say for sure that I fall like it, but it looked kind of interesting. And I think we got it on the cheap at some point. I don't remember when we bought it, but yeah, we'll try that out. I played it for about 30 minutes and uh, I would not say the shooting feels good. It feels like a modern janky PC game to me, um, but it seems like it plays like fine ish i guess like like i don't know i don't know what the i don't really know what the strength of that game is at this point um just kind of feels like a wonky open world shooter in a lot of ways but you know we'll see we'll see what happens with that um and yeah and that is pretty much just in terms pretty much it in terms of stuff i played i did go ahead and buy luminous avengers g2 and kogan so we've had multiple weeks of me debating if that was gonna happen it happened so they're on their way. They're both out. They came out on the 27th, I think. So, been out for a few days now. Uh, I think I'll play Kogan first, but we'll see. I'm I think those games are fairly short. I might try to see if I can look up how long Kogan is first before I actually start it. I assume Luminous Avengers E2 is fairly short, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little mixed on it, but I feel like it's a game that I can sit down and play through without too much trouble in that, so... And that's it in terms of stuff that's like kind of more personal updates on games and things like that. But 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 different chime every week. Patreon time. Hey, we're about to do a Patreon question. If you want, you can go on the the the, the you can subscribe to Patreon and submit a question to me. Um, people are not doing that though, which I expected. I did not expect Patreon to be successful, so at least not in the short term. So I, I had planned for that, and I went to the website levelskip.com and pulled a variety of questions from it. We had some weird questions the last couple of weeks. This question is a bit more standard, although I'll kind of go into detail of why I feel a little weird about it. Um, but this is basically, if you, ask, if you join at the $3 level, you can submit Patreon questions. If you join at the $5 level, you can get bonus content. Like this week, I did a Xenosaga episode three reading. So if you want to listen to me read that old review from like 10 years ago and offer some commentary on, on that review, um, you can go listen to that. Um, but yeah, so that is up on, on the Patreon uh, this week already. So the question we have this week from lolskip.com is something that is a fairly common question, honestly, um, is what is your favorite video game of all time? And the thing I will always say with your favorite video game of all time 
is that it's going to change all the time. Like, like, and, and I, it, it changes depending on how you're feeling, or at least in my, for me, it always is changing. So I, I almost never can set one game at a time. It just kind of depends on how I'm feeling in the moment. So if you're going to ask me this question once as like a definitive, how, what is your favorite game? And I, you expect your, your question to be valid or your answer that you get for me to be valid for a significant period of time. The game I always go to is Skies of Arcadia. And the reason being is that I forget what website it was. Well, I know it was on the Speed Gamers. I forget the context of it. Speed Gamers being an old website I used to write for. There's also like a forum section and we used to talk in there and stuff. And I believe it was a fairly common question of like, what were your top five games? And that would always change for me. However, consistently, Skies of Arcadia was always on that list. So at this point, when somebody asks me for the number one top game of all time for me, I say Skies of Arcadia. Not because it's always my favorite game of all time, but it seems to be most consistent. If you don't know what Skies of Arcadia is, it is a Japanese role-playing game for the Dreamcast. I personally have played the GameCube version, so Skies of Arcadia Legends specifically. Um, It was a port that came out a little while after. There's a couple different weird things with the port, but overall, I think most people prefer the GameCube version. Could be wrong about that, but you know. I can't, I've never played the Dreamcast version, so I can't say like how extremely different it was. I think most of it came down to the fact that there was no um, VMU. So there's a couple different things that were changed in regards to that. And then uh, I believe there's like add additional content that was added in the GameCube version. I think some of the music may have been more compressed in the GameCube version as well to basically fit it all on one disc where the Dreamcast version was two discs, although they were GD-ROMs. So a little, a little different in, in terms of size um when it comes to the 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 game but anyways so that is my favorite video game of all time um in terms of why it's my favorite video game of all time um a couple things is that it is very much that like 90s charming anime um kind of, of of kind of uh game However, it is incredibly positive. It doesn't really ever get like super dark. It, there are definitely dark themes in there. There's like a you know slave cape camp labor and things like that. But it's all very like swashbuckling, you know, kind of adventure kind of story. There's a the you're basically like flying these airships where you're going through the skies and you visit different continents and it's very much just like you know very replicated after the continents of the real world. So you're exploring all these different regions with different cultures meeting all these people in there and things like that. And it is just all incredibly upbeat in a way that I don't know if I've ever seen another game, at least a JRPG at that scale, be so upbeat about. You know, maybe some smaller games you see and things like that, smaller projects, but a game that is like a full 60-hour RPG, basically, um, that that is definitely one of the only games I can think of that that really feels as as, as, as charming and enthusiastic as that title is. Um, overall, just, it just, it just does a really great job of like the, the, the thrill of exploration and, 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 and learning about new things. Um, the combat system's a little straightforward. It is basically a turn-based combat system. However, there's a couple different things that make it stand out to me. Um, one is how it presents its combat. Um, if you don't know, I actually wrote an article a long time ago about this. Um, I really like battle scenes and JRPGs that feel always active. Whether they're really always active is a whole other thing. But I like a, I like a battle scene that feels busy. Um, so what, what I like about this is, is or, or examples maybe, is like Suikoden, when you have everybody kind of jumping and attacking all at once, it makes it feel more like a, 
like a war that's happening or, or a battle that's happening. Um, and then also, I believe the other game was like a Fire Emblem, um, um, Three Houses or whatever. There's like a, these kind of minions that kind of are running around your soldier, the character you're controlling, and they are also fighting in the background kind of thing. Um, and I really like that. So it's what Skies of Arcadia does, it has your party members all on the screen. And then essentially everybody's running around fighting different enemies and they're doing little animations. Nothing crazy. It does very basic attack animations and blocking animations. But they're all kind of running around and jump, running from enemy to enemy and, and doing these little fake fighting. And it feels really busy. Um, it does kind of come at the expense of some of the mechanics of the game, though. There's like a area of effect system with like certain spells. And if characters are running around and monsters are running around, it's really hard to aim that stuff and line it up properly. So um, when you use the ability, at least at that time, everything's kind of locked in. Uh, but it does it is really annoying when you're like have a character that's like hanging out all the way to the side and like is is just how their position is just the worst. And you're like, I w really want to use this skill, but I can't tell her to move over to this spot. I just have to hope she gets there kind of thing. Uh, the other thing is just like the specials are super flashy in that game. Really fun and entertaining to watch. I think a lot of this kind of bleeds into how I, you know, play a lot of Japanese games where I'm like kind of absorbing the presentation of them a lot and, and trying to enjoy that. I think Skies of Arcadia definitely influenced that with me because it is a game that just like, even though you can skip the battle animations and things like that, you really want to be watching them because they are really great scenes and they, they look really cool. Um, so that game has always been kind of a top of the list game. Again, sometimes I feel a little differently about it. Sometimes I put it a little lower. I've not played it in the recent years, so it's a little hard for me to say if it still holds up. Botan Kaitos is probably a better RPG in terms of mechanics for me, probably. But just the, the general scope of what Skies of Arcadia is, I think ultimately is one of my favorite, if not my favorite video game consistently top five though i can say that much at the very least so anyways thank you levelskip.com for your question again if you want to ask a patreon question feel free to subscribe on the patreon um three dollar level you can just submit questions but the five dollar level you can submit questions and get bonus content um the next upcoming piece of bonus content is a car talk podcast where i'm just talking to the car um as i mentioned earlier when i was like rewiring the house i did a podcast where i talked a little bit about particular situations I had that came up when I was wiring the house. So that is, or my, my computer, I should say, not my house. Um, so if you want to hear more about me messing with wires, figuring out 4k stuff, talking about HDMI standards, all that stuff, feel free to listen to that podcast on the Patreon again. Cool. News time. More, more little jingles from my mouth. Um, so nothing really, really deep this week. I just had a couple of news stories I wanted to kind of talk about. Um, one is not really a news story we normally would talk about, but it did kind of highlight something that I more recently realized when talking to a friend is that Microsoft is like, hey guys, Halo Infinite, the most recent Halo is I think the most successful or most played Halo game of all time is how they put it or whatever. And they say Halo has 20 million players. Um, if you don't know, two two parts of this. Three parts of this? Two parts. Maybe just two. Um, Halo Infinite's multiplayer was free to play. Um, and still is free to play. Second part of this, Halo Infinite is a Game Pass game as well. So you can just play it on Game Pass. 
And it makes me really question, because like even if even if Microsoft was upfront and told us here are the sales numbers of, of what was actually sold, it doesn't represent the entirety of what that game is doing, like from a penetration wise in terms of who's playing it, how many people played it, how successful it was. And when I look at that 20 million number, I have no idea what that means. Having 20 million people play your video game, probably good. But like the context of what that means from a money perspective, what that means from a game success perspective, how does this even rate to previous Halo games? I don't really know. And I assume that's a question that most people don't really know. Um, and kind of the problem with Game Pass in some ways is just like, how do you how do you kind of track and justify games coming out? I imagine it just comes down to playtime, right? When you look at the Game Pass, how much are people playing a game? How long are they playing it? Um, and, and that's kind of determines the success of a game. Um, and so one thing that also came up, uh, you know, was, was talking a little bit about Sega and their businesses with a friend and like all their games that are free to play and stuff. I'm like, I have no idea how Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis is doing. They have like a million number player mark, they tell you, but that doesn't mean like people are still playing it. So I don't know. It's one of those things. And you know, this is not something that's anything new per se, but the fact that these kind of aspects are becoming kind of the main way people inter are interacting with these games because if you don't know Final Fantasy 11 used to do a very similar thing where they're like hey guys we've had 1.2 million characters created on our servers that does not mean active accounts that includes mules that includes people who joined and quit all those things and so like that doesn't really mean anything in a lot of ways Yes, it does mean that a lot of people have tried your game, but it doesn't mean anything for the health of the game and stuff. So it's just really hard to really judge how successful a game is and 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 stuff anymore. Um, that being said, you know, even outside of this kind of weird space, it has been harder to judge sales numbers in general. I, I Japan's still a black box for me. Every time I look at Japan, Japanese sales numbers, like these all look very low. And I'm like, I have no idea if these are good numbers. Um, but then you also have like Square Enix saying like, we sold 20 million copies of Tomb Raider, still was not enough. <laughs> so like, obviously it depends how much money you put into a game and how much you get out of it. But, but it's just become more and more difficult to kind of track the success of a game unless a company tells you it was successful. Um, like I have no idea how First Soldier is doing. They said they have like 2 million players now. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that really mean? Anyways, I'm, I'm, that's all I really have to say about that. I guess Halo's doing well. Microsoft saying it is. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, speaking of Sega fun times, though, and by fun times, I mean business times. Uh, you probably heard if you're listening to this podcast, but Sega is basically shutting down their arcade business. I think they had already kind of sold off a lot of it um, to, to I think, Gigo's the company, um, and they are now selling the rest of it to Gigo, essentially. So, uh, going forward, the Sega Arcade name will be disappearing, um, and, and it will become, I assume, Gigo Arcades or some brand that they create. A little sad the Sega brand isn't going to be sticking around with that. Um, I believe, I can't remember, I feel like the game works in town here in Las Vegas may have shut down already. I have to look at it. Um, uh, but you know, Japanese arcades, definitely a lot more, um, um, bustling than U.S. arcades, although still having trouble. Also, COVID has not helped, right? Um, so, you know, yeah, but 
Uh, hopefully the, the arcades still continue to, 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 to prosper. I saw Nintendo Life in their write-up for this. They said this doesn't really affect uh, Sega's arcade output in terms of games because essentially Sega Enterprise is like a separate thing in the company. So they'll probably still make arcade games. Um, although I don't really know how much like Sega Enterprise is like, you know, how much of incentive they had to run that company to put games out in their own arcades kind of thing. If that equation changes at all given now they're not the ones running those arcades themselves so but yeah the uh the sega um arcade like branding and the logo and like the red background and all that stuff um very iconic japanese kind of akihabara scene thing there um i was fortunate to stop by them when i was last in japan i will say they were probably my least favorite arcades to go into not because they're bad i just it's i've gone to this conversation aboard before when you go to Japan now, you really have to, now, I mean, I say I only went once, but the, I, I'm pretty sure the smart strategy when you go to Japan is just to pick a game to play or pick a set of games to play and really focus on that. Because a lot of these games are service-based games that require you to have cards and some kind of ongoing account. And if you're just jumping around playing games once, you're just going to get a tutorial and then like maybe scratch the surface of the game. Um, so like, uh, going into the Sega ones, there are a lot of games like that there. So it's really hard to sit down and just say, I want to try one of these, um, from, from the ones I went into in Akihabara, right. Um, and a lot of the stuff that's in them are very similar. Um, so it, it's definitely something that I, I found, um, a little less interesting going into there, into there. I personally preferred, um, I think it was like the Aki, Akihabara Leisure Club or something like that. That had like a bunch of pachinko, but the reason I prefer it is because there's a token all machines in there. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a token all, <laughs> um, but I like the. Uh, I remember there's one, uh, uh, you know, like Dotonbori Street. I liked a lot that had a good variety of arcade games too. But I just feel like the Akihabara arcades were just a little, you know, they're all mostly cutting edge games, and they're and they're stuff that you really want to be playing long term, and that's hard to do as somebody just visiting Japan, right? So. Come tell me I'm wrong about Japanese arcades. I would love to hear your opinion on it because all I have is my own personal context. I think that's all in terms of game news, though. Um, so, yeah, I guess we're going to wrap up with that. As I mentioned earlier, we'll be streaming on Nintendoji this upcoming week. Evergrace the week after that, hopefully. Um, I may be doing also another test stream from my other stream or station um, just to kind of test out the microphone changes I made. So we'll see. That might just be also be a local recording I do. So don't, don't quote me on that um this week i have tomorrow actually by the time you're hearing this um there's a podcast that i did with video game esoterica where we talk a little bit about him and the pcfx and his pcfx series of uh, videos so if you want to listen to that next week we basically just chat a little bit about the system i ask him a lot of questions about you know how pcfx compares to a lot of other consoles and types of games i personally don't interact with much um, cause you know, when I come to the PCFX, it's more from like the, the appreciation of the anime cutscenes and things like that. And, and how those, those, that system mixes multimedia with its gameplay in a lot of ways. So having somebody who is a bit more grounded and probably what most people want out of the PCFX and talk to them about that, um, that, that was probably a good thing. I will say it is very much me asking questions and not much of a conversation coming from me. So, um, I had complaints about that fairly recently. Um, that I'm just not talking enough on those podcasts, which maybe is an overcorrection of me talking too much on those podcasts. So I'm going to work going forward to kind of even that out a little bit more. But just as a heads up, this was recorded a while ago, so I didn't get a chance to get that feedback before I started uh, adjusting it. 
Um, so that's coming out um, um, tomorrow. And then there's a couple little smaller videos coming out over the next couple weeks here. Um, I'm gonna, I have that panel I gotta do at the end of February. So that's probably gonna be number one priority in terms of content, unfortunately, in the short term. And then right back to Nintendoji. I swear to God, I will finish that Nintendoji video if it kills me. So, so yeah, but I think this week I'm really gonna start easing out. I think this is gonna allow me to, um, really well you know i'm always busy right but i think i think we'll be able to kind of mellow out a little bit focus more on the things that matter rather than rewiring all that stuff just playing some games getting some casual reviews out probably and generally probably before the casual reviews focus on getting some featured content done i desperately want to get featured content done that is my hope um so yes 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 um anyways onecontrolboard.com is the website um, if you are just listening for the first time, I do a lot of things. I have a YouTube channel. I don't know why I'm saying this. Is, I don't know. I need to have a real plug at the end of my thing. That's like a consistent message. But, um, yeah, YouTube channel. I do a lot of videos and podcast stuff. Just talked about that. Um, we got Twitch stream that I'm doing regularly. So you can check out Twitch or YouTube for streaming, subscribe, all that good stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I'll be watching some of the Pokemon channel this week. So wish me luck. Wish, hope Pikachu does not murder me. Pikachu was aggressive in that game. He's like, I want to watch TV. Like, no, Pikachu, we're going to the yard. He's like, I want to watch TV. And then closes the, to the door and he's like, we're watching TV. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God, Pikachu, please. <laughs> but anyway, so anyways, I'm out. I'm, I'm gone. I'm gone. Bye.